Recovery Radio, KMP3, Thousand Oaks. Ah, yes. just getting started or it's winding down or it's somewhere in the middle but here we are and I'm glad grateful I have no desire to drink today it's wild it's the first thing I think about when I wake up it is a miracle that I am sober easy to forget that there was a time early on in my sobriety where I forgot that and nearly perished as a result so I'm grateful I have my piping hot cup of French roast coffee here from Trader Joe's Jump right into things today. I'm going to start by reading an email that I received from a listener. It says, good afternoon, September 16, 2020. I gave alcohol and its power over me back to God, and I haven't struggled with the desire since. That is grace like I've never experienced. I wanted to say thank you for your message. I started listening to your podcast about two months ago, and I have arrived at episode 41 today. What a relief it was to hear how you dealt with the struggle. And I'll tell you why. It's so easy for someone like me to forget that every concern in my life is an opportunity to give it back to God. My struggle is the current separation from my spouse and the way I feel I'm being treated. I am, all caps, allowed to live in my home in a separate room with my wife and children, and I'm still not grateful for the opportunity I have to show them how to live. I'm all caught up in what I'm not getting out of this. Hearing how to rethink my situation was a blessing. I can accept this is God's will and show thankfulness. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I may never have it again. You're welcome to share this email. Thank you again. 
Your wisdom is something I really need at this time. And that's from Chris W. Thank you, Chris, for your email. And as I have promised, I'm going to send you a copy of one of the books. I love what Chris says. It's so easy to forget that every concern in one's life is an opportunity to give it back to God. I'm all caught up in what I'm not getting out of this. Hearing how to rethink my situation was a blessing. I mean, that's, that's it. That's been my sobriety. In a nutshell, everything that happens is an opportunity to demonstrate God's omnipotence. Get yourself out of the way. Let good or love or whatever, whatever you want to call it. work through you in your life. Not there to be punished. There to grow closer to God and work on perfecting and enlarging my spiritual life. By demonstrating it. If I don't demonstrate what I believe, then... I'm not doing anything. It just doesn't matter. The demonstration is what matters. The demonstration is what counts. It's not what I say at all. It's not what I say in an AA meeting or an NA meeting. It's not what I say to sponsees or to a sponsor. It's not what I say on this podcast. It's irrelevant. It's what I do. It is my demonstration that counts. I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about that through the subject I'm bringing up now, which is for myself, you free to, obviously, you don't need me to even tell you, disagree with all this. I don't represent AA. One ding-ding, ringing his bell. Before me, the great, tragic error I have seen and see always is what I'm about to say, which is this. The solution in the big book is not to concentrate on, dwell on, focus on, talk about endlessly my problems or my shortcomings. Somehow it's become that. Remember, a long time ago I read on here 
a story called The Story of the Problem. And it talks about that. It talks about how there's a solution to a problem, and then at some point, talking about the problem becomes the, became the solution to a lot of people. And wow, as I am recording this, a huge hawk just came up and landed on a tree. I want to say it's 20 feet away from me, and it's just looking at me. Hi, Alex. And there it went. I've lived here for almost 10 years, and I have never seen that. Anyway, somehow it has become the solution to talk about the problem. And it's really understood and taught and and passed on that way where look at your character defects, talk about your character defects, work on your character defects. And the problem with that is the most tragic problem to me, which is when you, even if you're talking about not talking about your character defects, even if you're talking about getting rid of your character defects, even if you're saying to yourself, I'm not going to think about my character defects, you're thinking about your character defects, which doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. And again, you can disagree with all this. It doesn't help me at all. It never has. It exacerbates it, makes it harder, makes it worse, blocks me from God. It is really about thinking of God. If I can't do that, think of something else. This is, in a nutshell, what I've tried to express for 29 years in the fellowship. Because I'll go to meetings and I, I don't talk about my character defects in general. I just don't talk about them. Because I'm trying to starve them to death. I don't want to talk about them. It doesn't help me to talk about them. It helps me to think about a loving act. Something selfless. Something else. Anything else. Anyone else or God. It's not that I don't have character defects. I have tons of character defects. It's not that I haven't screwed up every day since I've been sober. I have. Despite my best efforts. I'm human and I come up short on a regular basis. I make a lot of mistakes. But one of the reasons I'm experiencing the freedom that I am experiencing for since I got this message when I was about two and a half years sober, almost 30 years ago, is that I don't, I spend my time thinking about God. What is the next way to express love? What is the next loving thought? Not, I've got a, you know, I don't know. Doing counseling with somebody who had their sponsor give them a sheet of like 60 character defects. And I just want to say that would never help me do anything except stay in self. 
I'm really flying solo for the most part here, I feel. It is really the thing to do. Even to say, I'm not perfect, I'm not, I have, I have this, I have that, even just thinking, it's just thinking about what is wrong with me does nothing to help me. If I stay in it, it's all extremely valuable and necessary to a very specific point to look at myself and look at these things and see these things. It's all really valuable, really necessary to a point. I need that. I need it. But Once it's at a certain point, it doesn't do anything for me to think about it. You know how you heard me talk about the bike analogy? Where the steps are like building a bike, and then you ride the bike. There's nothing in the book Alcoholics Anonymous that goes against what I'm saying. The objective is not to build the bike and then take it apart year after year after year after year after year leave your parts strewn all over the floor while people around you need help but that's become common practice and it's sad because it's just exacerbates the selfishness for myself having lived it for years myself when I was really set free was when I learned the key to this, which is essentially you can't think about two things at once. So think about the right thought or action as best you can. If you don't have that, think of anything else. Don't water that plant called the what is wrong with me plant. Don't water it. I need to see it's there so that I could have it removed. But to prune it, look at it, analyze it, study its leaves. It's never helped me. It's helped me fit in. It's helped me feel a part of. Which I think is significant. When that was my life in the fellowship, I was in good company. I also wanted a drink. <laughs> I also was miserable for a while prior to that. And part of it, too, is that when you're miserable, like I was when I first got sober, you don't know that you're miserable for a while. I didn't know. what it was like to not be miserable. I was just so used to it. It's like a baseline misery. Changed slowly. Over time, and I became comfortable being comfortable. 
So for me to concentrate on my demonstration in my life, what has helped me the most is what I'm saying right now, which is not focus on, stare at, dwell on what is wrong with me. In the big book, we do an inventory. We ask God to remove those things. And we keep on the lookout for these things. And if and when they do come up, we ask God immediately to remove them and get out of self, turn our attention to something else. That's it. I mean, that's it. That's it. It does not say... You know, write your inventory, read it to somebody, and then talk about your character defects, think about your character defects, dwell on your character defects, write about them, share about them, talk about them, write about them, share about them, talk about them. But that's what happens. And I understand. But it's sad. And I do know there are elements to this that are, uh, uh, you know, helpful and beneficial and God's in all of it and this and that. I'm not saying any of that. Also saying, simply, huge reason that I am as happy as I am is because of what I'm, what I'm talking about. I did a written inventory yesterday. There was someone in my head that I was having conversations with, arguments with. I noticed that I was having an argument with a person in my head day after day for, I was about a week. Oh, for me, that's a resentment. Something to look at. But then, not living there. Got to the solution, saw my part, and have moved on as best I can by not watering it anymore. Now I'm, what's the loving act? What can I do? Who can I think about? What can I think about? God, what do you want me to do? How can I demonstrate God's love? Going back to that email, what does that look like to demonstrate God in that situation? Does anyone in the world think that Kids want to be around people who are fighting and stressed out. If I could ask every child in the world, if you could pick, how many hands do you think would go up for that? One? 
the hand of a kid who wasn't really listening. <laughs> In case you're thinking, well, that's not, you know, maybe the thought now is to limit Dodd. Well, that's not possible. I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a tall order, but this is our life. And if you feel like I do, if you've been saved from the alcoholic pit, this is your duty to aim for this and be gentle, including being gentle to yourself when you screw it up. That's just as important. Because you're going to screw it up. But that is like the lighthouse that I look at in this ocean of a journey. That is what guides me. That's what I focus on. A solitary item. A lighthouse, which is the, the standard, the goal, the aim. We can achieve perfect adherence to spiritual principles. We just can't maintain them. We can achieve them. It's been a long time since I talked about the baseball analogy, but it's like that. Some days you're five for five. It's possible. But many days you're one for six, two for nine, three for six with two walks. Here come the birds. Got off to a late start this morning. I was having a dream that I was still having while I was making coffee. This is deep in it. say hello to Chelsea. I want to give a shout out to Happy Joyous and Three and the Black Rhinos. And I want to say to anyone who needs to hear it that everything is okay. If you're somebody who doesn't have that feeling right now, you're the one I'm talking to. Everything's okay. So. I'm going to go. Have an amazing day today. Or night. Or whatever it is. See what you could add. What would a life worth saving look like today? If your life was worth saving... How would you behave? If your life was worth saving, how would you act? How would you treat people? How would you spend your time? If your life warranted being saved. So, I don't know the answer to those questions, but I'm going to give it a shot that note, I am going to go try to live a life that was worth saving. I hope you'll do the same.